Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are talking about uh, panic cleaning. You know when you get that event coming up or this the certain occasion happening and your house needs to look a certain way and it doesn't look that way and you have a short amount of time to get it there. So I'm talking something like a party coming up um, or a, a house inspection or something like that is happening and your house looks a bit chaotic and you want to get it under control quickly. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of a it's a bit of a spectrum with this because it could be it could be anything from right, we've got a house inspection in three days and between work and kids and life I've got to tidy the house. Or it could be, you know, when you get that call friends in town, yeah, yeah, I'm not far, I'm like fifteen minutes away. <laughs> Drop around for a coffee and it's like, ah like and you're slobbing around and you're like, Okay, quick, need to quick tidy. So there's it kind of for me, panic clean kind of covers that whole spectrum from that really quick, just whew, what can I do in a hurry to make an impact? And also, what can I do when I have a little bit more time and I'm a bit more considered and, you know, have a longer impact? But it's all, you know, short term and a bit panic yeah. mode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking like you, I'm thinking anywhere between three and one day's notice. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, because if, if you, I mean, most of us, no matter how clean or organised we are, with 15 minutes notice, we would still run around and do a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Even like I'm sure you would even sweep because you notice the, the like one crumb on the floor or something. <laughs> so uh, not anymore. <laughs> I got myself a robot vacuum. So now oh, I just press go Alfred and Alfred does the work <laughs> for me. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so there's it depending on how neat and tidy you are and also how much you care. So if if there is someone who's coming to visit in 10 minutes' time and they came yesterday and the day before and three days before that and they don't bat an eyelid, then that's not what we're talking about. So we're sort of talking about when it's panic stations and for whatever reason you're out of control and you need to get in control. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. And when this start kind of thing happens, um, you, the one I hear mostly about is for house inspections and um, and also I'd hear people talking a lot about having to do lots of running around before they entertain. So um, these are the, they're the two circumstances that I usually think of. And a lot of what people do in this situation actually has a really negative long-term effect for them or it can do and so what I wanted to talk about mostly today was yes you might have to do some quick and dirty techniques because as Tara and I have talked about loads of times decluttering your life is a long haul thing it's a marathon not a sprint and if you're going to actually have it work you need to do small changes over the long term and this panic cleaning doesn't allow for that at all but you can still do it in a way that doesn't completely trip you up so that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today is how can you do this in a way that one gets you under control quickly 
but two, doesn't give you a hangover later, which is usually what happens when people panic clean. They get the hangover later. Mm. Does that make sense, Tara? Yeah. And my mental picture of the hangover is, you know, when I guess the typical American movie that will show, you know, someone will open then the whole cupboard and everything (laughs) in the house falls out of that cupboard because that's where they piled it all in their moment of panic. Um, yeah. So, and it's that's essentially what you're you're trying to avoid by um, considering how you panic clean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And if you can't, if you don't have a long time to do things properly and to rehome and deown properly and consider con- considerately, no, it's not the word. Um, carefully, then you you you're going to have to do this the panic cleaning but yeah if you can do it in a way that doesn't have that hangover and you know I see the evidence of panic cleans all the time with my clients and it, you could even sort of rank a panic pack in there as well as, as as what causes this problem but so many times we find tubs when we're working through spare rooms or garages or whatever we find a tub that says to sort on it mm-hmm. <laughs> or it doesn't have a label on it at all and you open it up and it's just full of all sorts of random stuff that's been hurriedly swept off kitchen counters and benches and stuff like that and just shoved in a box and shoved out of the way and then later on you then have to go through all of the work of rehoming and deowning that Um, and so that's what we're sort of hoping to you can't avoid it but you can avoid it hanging around for a really long time and building up if you if you do do it properly because that's that's really hard as well when you find those boxes of everything it's not like when you sit down to declutter your books and you're thinking re- all about books and your favorite books and you know what what should yeah. stay what should go where am i rehoming all my books to you know like you can really zoom in on what do my books mean to me when you get a box or a tub or quite often it's plastic bags people just shove yeah. stuff in bags and tuck them somewhere it's like there might be a book and then there's a trinket of some sort and there's a piece of clothing and there's some jewellery and there's some yep. body products or, you know, like it takes so much longer because you have to keep shifting your head from, okay, what about this and what about this and how do I think about this item? And it's hard. Yeah. Yep, definitely, definitely. I we, I did a few boxes like that with a client yesterday and he we were talking about prioritising what, what it is that we were going to work on and, I said to my client, look, because you need to move this furniture, I really think we should work on the stuff that's in front of this furniture because he wants to replace the furniture to something that's more suitable. So but I had piles of tubs and boxes and bags in front of that furniture. So I said, you know, as much as I would love to go down to your wardrobe and do your wardrobe because that's fun, and he was quite excited about doing the wardrobe, I said, I think we need to do this first. And he looked at me and he nodded and he said, yeah. And as we were doing it, he said, I cannot tell you how long I've put off doing these boxes. And I said, it's because it's all random, isn't it? And he said, yes, it's because it's all random little bits of stuff that I've got to put all over the house in all different places. Um, And, yeah, so he'd put it off for a really long time for exactly the same reason that you said. It's just more work Mm. mentally and physically, yeah. And I always always wonder if that stuff has sat in that box (laughs) for that long, and no one's gone looking for it. Do you really need anything that's in that box? But that's probably just mm. my very uh, brutal way of looking at it, going, well, you could probably just get rid of the whole box. If you don't even know yeah. what's in there, <laughs> you're clearly not missing yeah, it. Yeah, but that's but then, but then other people will go, but, yeah, you don't know what's in there. Like what if something really special is in there? Mm-hmm. And occasionally we will be going through a box like that and a client will go, oh, my God, I have been looking for this forever, you know, mm. and they're really excited about finding it or 
it's something they haven't really looked for, but it's memorabilia based and they would be, you know, upset if it was gone for good, if, you know, because maybe at one point they would look for it. Uh, and so, you know, there were photos, for example, that we found yesterday and um, little bits of trinkets and, and things like that. So there were some things that he just happily said, no, that can go. Uh, and then there were others where he said, oh, gosh, yes, I need that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, didn't know it, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that or I'll need it for something. So, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it would be good if after five years you could just throw the whole box away, but there is that constant fear of but yeah. there might be something in there so it it then makes you want to go through it which makes you then not want to go through it <laughs> because it's a lot of work and you avoid it so yeah so that's the, the problem with when you do end up with those kinds of tubs and boxes and bags is that you do uh, avoid dealing with them and when you do a quick cleanup like that you're actually not addressing any of the issues that cause the clutter in the first place. And so without addressing those issues, you're not going to have any long-term benefit to the cleanup. It's only going to have that short-term benefit with that long-term hangover. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so where where do we start? How do we – we've just heard that uh, we're having a home inspection tomorrow. A house is, you know, cluttered. What do we do? Okay, so we're going to ignore – cleaning for the most part because that would sort of be the thing that you do after you've got the stuff out of the way. There's a couple of different ways that you can do it and you probably want to gather some of your equipment together first. So some of the things you might need would be a rubbish bag. Uh, you might need some boxes or some tubs of some kind to do some stashing and we will talk about how to do the right kind of stashing. <laughs> and then what else will you need, Tara? Uh, laundry basket can be a bit handy <laughs> if you're yes moving yeah. a whole so lot the, of stuff. Yeah, the laundry basket is the one of the methods actually that I use when I have to do like a quick clean up, and it works really, really well. It's usually just my kids that get targeted, but I find that the laundry basket. But that's one of the methods I was going to talk about. Okay, um, but I think if oh, and a timer. Because if you're the type of person that will dash around madly working in all these different areas and then feel like you've been working really hard but look around and it doesn't look any different, then you might need some focusing tools and a timer is a good focusing tool for for that. So for low levels of clutter, the washing basket method, washing, what did I say basket? (laughs) The washing basket method works really well and that is medium moderate levels of clutter assuming that you actually have homes for things so this is when you can what you do is you take a washing basket and I use a washing basket because I have to empty it in order to do my washing so it kind of means that I don't get that hangover of that tub just sitting there all that basket sitting there forever so I grab the washing basket and in every room I put everything in the washing basket that doesn't belong in that room and then I walk through the rest of the house rehoming it then I go to room number two put everything in the washing basket that doesn't belong in there and then walk through the house rehoming it and I just keep going until I have done every room in the house I have heard um, before a little tip and this would be more if you're really time poor and you know you're doing it in a hurry. If you've put everything in a basket and you don't have time to put all that stuff in a home, say it's the lounge room and you've done a quick mm. sweep, picked up the shoes, the books, the, you know, toys or whatever that are lying around. If your kids are of an age where you can implement this, I think this would work. Put the, If you put the tub in the laundry while your guest comes and goes, then the only way that the people get their things back that are in that tub is they have to do a job. 
So like, <laughs> say, uh, you know, your son wants his soccer boots back, but he left it. And it's like, well, you can go and wash a window and then you can come and get them because you <laughs> left them lying in the lounge room and I had to get them. And that's more of a short-term thing, but I quite like that bartering system so that the weight doesn't all fall to one person. And then, you know, the other thing is I guess people don't learn lessons when they leave stuff somewhere and it just magically appears and the back fairies in its home. Do it. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. I think that would be on a day to day, or definitely on a day to day basis. You want to get those lessons learned, don't you? Yeah. And for a quick method, you would hope that in a, in a panic situation, you would actually have all hands on deck and you would have lots of people helping you. So everyone in the family is actually pitching in. One would hope. Um, you could try. One of the methods that I tend to use when we need to do an emergency panic clean is you it's usually when there is a house inspection and my client is not going to pass that inspection the way the house is and they don't have much time and that is just the quick box up so that is to get everything safe and make sure that uh, landlords know landlords can see the walls and the floors so they can tell whether or not there are pests and whether or not things are being or with mold and, and stuff like that. So getting things away from the floor and the walls for the inspectors to have a look at that is a, the quick box up method. So that tends to be the one that I go for in those emergency situations. The quick box up method means you do need somewhere to put the stuff and that could be problematic, but uh, we will assume that there is somewhere to put it. Or even if it stays in the room that the stuff was in, it just looks it's just easier to manage and it's easier for whoever's doing the inspection to actually see the state of the property um, instead of looking at the stuff that's in the way. Um, so you can put the boxes in a way that means that they can still, you know, see what it is that they need to see. So the quick box up method uh, involves just basically boxing things up, labelling the boxes as accurately as you can. Don't get too caught up in having seven different types of boxes for different types of things because that will slow you down but when you do label a box have a quick look in it and see anything in there that might be looked for and um, note that on the box and label the top and the front of the box and so that quick box up method again this is definitely not ideal but this is only in emergencies Uh, that will then help later on when we get to the unpacking process which we'll talk about um, next. Yeah right I was going to say would you like how considered would you be when you're boxing things up? Would you go, right, or we'll try and put all the paperwork, you know, a bit like our weeding technique. Would you walk around and go look at all of the paperwork in all the different rooms? We'll try and put all in the same box or you would just go? Yeah, if you can. It, and it's a time thing. Mm. So, And it's also how do you remember where things are? So people who have hoarding disorder, for example, they – um, file things and in their memory, their me- memory is often very location-based. So when I've had to do a, a panic clean for somebody who hoards um, and we're not throwing anything out because they don't want to throw anything out, they just want to um, meet the requirements of their tenancy so they don't get evicted, we will generally store and label things based on where they were. So mm-hmm. I'll write, you know, entry entry hallway, first cubic meter um entry hallway second cubic meter entry hallway top of vanity or whatever it is top of buffet and so when they're thinking about when they want to find something and it might so it might be quite a random assortment of stuff but they're like i need that envelope that i wrote that person's phone number on the back of it and i know i put it there which means that they can then go to the boxes and go it'll be this box hallway second cubic meter 
because that's a roundabout. And so they'll open that up and go, oh, yeah, here's the envelope. So it really does depend on how you are going to go looking for things or how the person who owns the belongings is going to go looking for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we often do that. I often do that sometimes as it's location-based. Uh, other times it will be type-based, but it does depend on the client um, mm. for sure. And so you need to ask yourself, how am I best going to remember where to find this later? Or how is it going to best suit me when I unpack this at the end? You know, am I going to unpack this stuff back into the same room? In that case, then it probably doesn't matter too much about the labelling as long as the box has the room number written on it and then you just slowly unpack into that room. Uh, so it really does depend on that, I think. Yeah, right. Okay. And then so what's the point of the timer then? Why would you involve a timer? Uh, a lot of people with clutter issues have focus problems, um, have avoidance activities and techniques will procrastinate and also when you've got lots of stuff to do in a short amount of time it's really easy to get overwhelmed so you tend to kind of run around with like a chook with its head cut off and find it very difficult to focus so a timer is really good at making you uh, it gives you permission to stop and take a break but it Mm -hmm. also um, helps you focus for the duration of the time that you decide to focus so setting a timer for and again it depends on just how overwhelmed you're feeling but you can do from five minutes to 15 minutes to half an hour just set the timer and then just focus on the particular area that you're working on until that timer goes off then you can either schedule yourself a short break or you can reset the timer and continue on where you are or you can try a different area for a bit of variety if you're the type of person that's likely to just go comatose with boredom (laughs) doing the same area for the same amount of time just have to be careful you don't end up working on little bits all through the house and never actually get any area finished yeah look that idea about finishing space one space at a time that's something even like if you've only if you've got you know low levels of clutter but you know the in-laws ring and they're coming to stay for the weekend and you think okay (laughs) stuff everywhere stuff all you know especially because quite often our spare rooms become our junk rooms and that's where you know things get piled up on the bed and oh, they're coming, I need to clean the bathrooms, I need to, you know, tidy the kitchen, those kind of, you know, even when it's low levels of, you know, physical clutter but it's just general life mess, um, that idea of doing one space at a time can be really helpful because I feel like sometimes you can just bounce around from room to room so you think, right, I'll just I'll get the clean towels out to put on their bed and then you walk into the spare room and you think oh there's all those gifts there I'll pick those up and I'll take them and pop them out in the shed for now oh well I'm in the shed oh look this is in the way they won't be able to park the car I'll move that and then you know you can spend an hour and you go okay what have I achieved because there's not one space that's finished it's just you know you you ping-ponged around your house and got all these little things done which are all useful but it's really easy to get demotivated when you think okay now I've just spent an hour and I've I've not achieved anything, you know. Yeah. So I think yeah, sometimes exactly. narrowing your focus can help you because then it, you know, you build momentum, you feel good because you can see what you've achieved and that might give you the motivation to move to the next space and keep going. Yeah, I agree. And when when people are um, packing as well or downsizing and packing at the same time, uh, that's one of the things I really strongly advocate is finish an entire room before you move on to the next one. And what I would probably say is if you have to clean as well as sort of quickly declutter, then I would probably say to declutter everywhere first and then go back around and clean because I think if you 
you could end up spending an entire day decluttering and cleaning the kitchen and then the laundry doesn't, like you can't see the laundry floor. So you might need to prioritise a little bit so that you do get the minimum done in each room. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's amazing how a clear floor and clear, you know, horizontal surfaces like bench tops, table tops, that has a much bigger visual impact in terms of making a space look tidy and neat and presentable than doing a deep clean. Like it would be lovely if you had the time to, you know, once you've decluttered, then, you know, mop your floors and and clean Mm. the skirting boards. And But there's just, if you're at this point where it's panic clean, you Mm. don't have time for that. So do the stuff that gets the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time. And that is generally about moving clutter out of the space and creating some more you know, some more room, especially on the floor. Yeah, yeah, the floor is a big one. Um, So, yeah, so basically what we've described is, you know, boxing it all up or getting it out of the the way uh, and satisfying the requirements of either the inspection or your guests or yourself. But obviously you're going to have these boxes that you're going to have to do something with as well. So having a, a space to stash them, can be really helpful, but it is actually not so bad. And this, and again, um, because I work with a lot of people who uh, are at risk of eviction, this is always what pops to mind for me, is that it's okay to have a few boxes stacked up in the middle of a room. It's not a big deal as far as inspections go. Uh, as long as they're sort of no higher than waist height, they're not a safety issue. Uh, so, it, it doesn't matter if you have to, if you're doing the lounge room and you've got four boxes and you just put them in the middle of the room or you put one over, but you know, in the corner and a three in the middle of the room or something like that, that's not going to be a big deal. Uh, I have a couple of clients that have stacked boxes up and then put tablecloths over them <laughs> so they look a little bit neater and tidier as well. So that's always an option for sure. I, yeah, I guess it depends. If you've got someone that is coming around purely to inspect the condition of the house, then that kind of stuff you want to. Your main aim then is to give them uh, access and provide safe access and give them an ability to see the things they need to see, which is you know obviously very different than if you've got people coming to stay. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you want to have usable space. So if you are still doing the panic box up method with people coming to stay, that's fine. But then I guess you need to find a place where they're not going to interfere with the comfort of your guests while they're there. So maybe for the weekend yeah. you park the car outside of the garage and you pop all the boxes in the garage. Yeah. The, the problem comes then when you make that your new norm and exactly. six months later still aren't parking in the garage because you can't face dealing with those those boxes yeah. and bringing them back in. So, And that's the kicker. So that that's the mistake that most people who crisis clean or um, panic clean will make they will it will become the new normal and because it's out of the way it's out of sight it's out of mind it becomes ignored and then what happens is when you have these lovely empty spaces you fill them up again and you fill them up as well as owning the stuff that used to 
still owning the stuff that used to take up that space. So you've kind of doubled the amount of stuff that you have without actually dealing with it. And then you will definitely end up with a problem. So that's what I want to talk about next is making sure that you don't have the hangover. So we're talking about hangover remedy here okay. <laughs> um, that you, so you don't actually end up with this problem that we discussed earlier with the random boxes of stuff shoved places where you don't know where they are or what they're doing or or you don't end up uh, having issues with using your garage or using other spaces in the house because they have your your panic clean boxes in them. So how do you avoid that then? What do we do? All right. So you need to, after the event has occurred, you need to then go into a mild panic clean (laughs) mode. Uh, You can't relax after the event has happened. There is no sitting down and relaxing. You have a lot of work to do. But the the good thing is that you don't have to do it in quite as much of a hurry as you did the panic clean in the first place. So you need to start yourself a project. And it's basically, it's like a decluttering project. So anytime anyone declutters, they need to sit down and decide what it is that they're going to do and uh, have a bit of a plan of attack. So if you've got boxes in the garage, for example, you can sit down and say, right, I'm going to deal with these boxes in the garage. You set yourself a time frame. So you say, I'm going to deal with them by, say, the end of the month. And then you set yourself some tasks. So you might say, okay, I'm going to complete one box a week until they're all done. And then I'm going to dedicate time every week or every day to rehoming and de-owning every item in each box until I meet my deadline. Yeah. And I think we are all far too easy on ourselves and in justifying reasons why we can't or won't do something. And I think what I find really beneficial, and this is one of the reasons that I always (laughs) say to my decluttering clients that I will be their accountability partner, that it's not just, here's your decluttering plan. I'll see you later. It's like, I'll be checking in. What, what, what are we getting done by when? Because I will be checking up on you. And what are going to be the consequences or the rewards if you fail or succeed to meet your goals, you know, with the required deadlines? And so you kind of build this reward system in place. So if something that you love every weekend is to go to the movies, be really strict with yourself and say, if I haven't got two boxes done by Friday, I'm not going to the movies this weekend. And stick to it. Don't let yourself Mm. off the hook because no one else is going to put you under that pressure unless... And this is the other thing that you can do is you get a friend or a family member or someone close to be your accountability partner and say, look, I want you to check up with me on the weekend and give me a kick up the pants if I haven't started this or, you know, whatever. Because quite often, as soon as we say it out loud or start saying it to someone else and there's someone else has got a bit of buy-in, we're more likely to follow through. Yeah, for sure. If we have to be accountable to someone else, a lot of of people do have that kind of external motivator where they might not be motivated themselves to do it but they're going to be motivated if somebody else is involved somehow Um, if someone else knows about it or if somebody else is going to see it or anything like that then that is a big motivator the people pleasers especially work really well with accountability partners Mm. Uh, so yeah, so that's pretty much it. You you have to make sure that you don't allow the stuff to hang around. So you need to be really strict about getting it done, giving yourself time frames, setting the goals, making sure you're accountable in some way to somebody, so that you're not going to end up getting back into the rut that you were in. 
Another thing is looking at the cause of the clutter in the first place. Why did you have to panic clean? Ask yourself that. There's probably several reasons why, and this is one of the things that I ask my clients all the time and straight up front is how did we get here? What what are the contributing factors that led you to this point right now? And how can we avoid them happening in the future? So after you've done your crisis clean and then after you've rehomed and de-owned the boxes or the tubs or the baskets that came out of that crisis clean, what are you going to do to prevent it happening again? Yeah, and that's where you probably need a you know a bigger plan. Was it just one space that was the you know the problem area that you had to deal with, or is it indicative of a bigger problem? Is it the entire house? In which case, then you need to take a serious look at you know all of the things that we mention quite often, like you know the items that are coming into your home. Are you being intentional about what you bring in? Um, have you got more stuff than you have space? Why is that? What can you let go? Methods. And then, and you know, setting yourself some really smart goals and where you'd like your space to be because I think that's the thing. Once you get yourself to a really balanced level, you don't have to be, you know, minimalist or, you know, have a really stark household, but then you avoid ever being in those situations again. And that's a really comforting mm-hmm. place to be, knowing that you're not going to have to find yourself in a panic again. Yeah, yeah. And give you and in your and as you're working through your home and rehoming and deowning those those panic boxes, remember how stressful it was for you. And when you are rehoming and deowning, if there is more stuff than space, declutter. Don't just try and keep it all because you are not, you are not going to be able to get past that without reducing the volume of belongings. In most cases, it's the volume of belongings that trip people over more than anything else. And if you can recognise that that is an issue for you and you feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start, that's why there is whole communities um, out there that support people in this situation, but also, you know, a lot of people in the service industry, professional organisers and the like, that will work with you because a lot of people do get themselves into this situation and then can't see how to get themselves out of it. And so quite often that might be your trigger to find a professional to help you get you on a plan, get you on back on track to uh, reclaiming your space. Yep, for sure. Okay, well, I think that was really interesting. If you have ever had to, you know, experience a panic clean moment, be it something uh, small scale or a um, on a grander scale with a lot of clutter, we would love to hear from you. So please come join us in our Facebook community and let us know if you've experienced that and um, share any of your tips or tricks with us um, and with all the other people in there. That would be great. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.au.